the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring not even a mouse the stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there the children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads and mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap when out on the lawn there arose such a clatter I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter away to the window I flew like a flash tore open the shutters and threw up the sash the moon on the breast of the new fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below when what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer with a little old driver so lively and quick I knew in a moment it must be Snick What's the matter with you? He started it. He and my peach on purpose. He knows I ain't sausage and olives. Look what you did, you little jerk. Merry Christmas, Rebel. This is the time of the year where we check in on who hates Christmas the most. We know who loves Christmas the most. Cute kids and happy families. Who hates it the most? Academia. And I think it's worth checking in on them because they are sort of the litmus test, a canary in the coal mine when it comes to the culture wars. We just come out of a rough time with them. We had them screaming about um, Halloween costumes. And we got Dean stepping down and everyone apologizing. Let's see if uh, things have changed since then. Oh, turns out they've gotten way worse. Kevin, get upstairs right now. Why? Kevin, you're such a disease. Sure. Kevin, upstairs. Good night, Kevin. Holy shit. It's Christmas fucking Eve. Can you believe it? I can. Who gives a fuck? I've escaped the boner worshipping scorpions of the reactionary desert, and I'm back in the studio filled to the guts with candy canes, frosted cookies, and socialism. This is Staff Only, the studio manager at the Humor and the Abject podcast, wishing you and yours a very Merry Christmas. Welcome to episode 34, You Yuletide Season Blackout with your family Screedlers. What a fantastic day to release a new episode. We've got the one and only Brett Davis this week, an incredible man who once won the Andy Kaufman Award. He is a comedian, an actor, and the host of the special Without Brett Davis available on public access television and on the web. Get a clue. Watch it tonight with your parents after you suck down a pound of ham and go to church. He also has his own little tiny radio program, the podcast for laundry. Have you ever been to Colorado? Get bent, my good bitch. Merry Christmas. Let's turn it over to your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney.
I'm Ira Glass. Welcome to Jackass. It's episode 34 of the Humor in the Abject podcast. I'm your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney. I'm coming to you live today on Christmas Eve 2017 from Salida, Colorado. We're at a little house here having a nice time. Uh, this is my sister, Quinn. Quinn, how are you doing? Wunderbar. Yeah? What does it feel like to be a fucking annoying loser who's my little sister? Pretty good. Thank you. Now we have my parents are here as well. Uh, are these uh, the fucking loser parents or just no? I didn't parents? call you guys losers. Okay. The, <laughs> oh, that's alright. I want to try. Listen, I made up this new character and I want to try it out on you. It's uh, see if you can guess what this character is like. <clears throat> when I was a boy, Daddy was a sharecropper. Every night he'd come in and teach me how to whittle wood and pick at the guitar and he'd always be sharecropping but but daddy always remembered before dinner to wash his bowls do you have any idea who that might be yes who uh sean <laughs> no uh what's her name dolly parton or what's her name what's the other one gina uh loretta lynn loretta. <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> it's washing his balls, Mama. Was it washing balls? Today on the podcast for Christmas Eve, we have a very special guest. Uh, he's a comedian and the host of the special without. Uh, his name is Mora. Gordy Brett Davis. Thank you. That was my sister. Uh, it is Brett Davis, the comedian Brett Davis. He is my guest today. Very excited to have him on for this Christmas Eve episode. Uh, I hope everybody out there in podcast land is having a good listening experience. I hope that the holidays are treating you well, whether that's Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or Boxing Day, whatever you celebrate, you know, it's your bag, baby. So uh, coming to you live from the line. <laughs> Don't fucking look at me. <laughs> From Salida, Colorado, it's episode 34 of the Humor in the Abject podcast. Did you have an edible this morning? <laughs> okay. Uh, let's, uh, if, without further ado, here's my conversation with Brettleby Davis. Ready to get this thing yeah. going? Okay, looks like our loves are good. Can you just say one word? Just say, hello, I'm Brett. Uh, hello, I'm Brett. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, Brett Davis, welcome to Humor in the Abject. Thanks for thanks for joining me today. How are you? I'm truly honored to be here. Yeah, you Thank had you. a you had quite a morning, I understand. I did. I was helping a lost dog. Or it's kind of helping a lost dog. be re- recon- Helping the owner, really. I didn't really help the dog. That's very... Very in the spirit of the season for you, and uh, you know, I hope you don't mind my saying, Brett, but uh, Merry Christmas! Yes, um, around the, the Christmas season, I only do good deeds, <laughs> that's good, they none go unpunished, from what I understand. Yeah, um, so since this is this is going to be a very special Christmas Eve episode for everybody who's out there listening, um, what what is what does Christmas mean to, to Brett Davis? Any any special plans this year, or any traditions that that you like to keep in the queue? Well, uh, 
candles burning low, mm. lots of mistletoe, uh, lots of snow and ice everywhere you go. That's, That's what good. Christmas means to me. That's beautiful. Well, you grew up on, you're an East Coast boy. Yeah, right? uh, I'm, I grew up in New Jersey. New Jersey. That's, I feel like everyone is from there, or Florida. Everyone that I meet in New York is from either New Jersey or they moved here from Florida. Interesting. Which is very exciting. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> very, very recently too, you had a show on, uh, Sunday, December 10th at baby's all right. Yes. And, uh, in the lead up to it, I, I noticed that you had, um, tweeted at character actor, Michael Rappaport to tell him that quote, deep blue sea sucks ass because of your shitty acting, uh, further telling him that the Knicks also suck and that his accent makes him sound Portuguese. Uh, <laughs> Then you invited him to the venue to fight you. Did he show up? Uh, well, it was actually during the show. It was a matinee, like, afternoon show. This, oh, this was live, a live invite. Yeah. Um, it, it was like, when, when the show started, there were just not enough people to that I felt comfortable performing comedy. Okay. So I, I was like, let's just have a conversation to get everybody warmed up for this first act. Um and someone was talking about the movie Deep Blue Sea, which got us all talking about Michael Rappaport. Yeah. And I know uh, he's got an online presence that's kind he, of interesting. He's, yeah, he's yeah. a podcast host himself, right? Yeah, he's yeah. always kind of like calling out people. Yeah, I think he, I, I remember an episode of uh, that, uh, of the Chapo Trap House mm -hmm. podcast where he, they and he were in a fight. Interesting. I remember, yeah. I, I, I think he's... I think he's very wont to fight with podcasters or, or comedians. He I seems did very, not. <laughs> he seems very I, I don't listen to Chapo Trap House, <laughs> aside from clips of uh, Gorka. <laughs> oh, yeah, is that um, a Domian? James Adomian? Yeah, it? who we actually had on the special, uh, uh, which was a dream come true. He's a very talented impressionist. He's incredible. He's, I think, did he used to do the... Did he do the Barry or, or the Bernie Sanders rather on Comedy yeah. Bang Bang? I he think. did Bernie Sanders, <laughs> did Jesse Ventura. Oh God, those are like mm, yeah. Mm, the Midwest and me can't get enough of that. Yeah. Um, so Rappaport didn't show, but he was responding. Yeah. So <laughs> we, I, I was just talking about it, and I was like, "Hey, let's send him a tweet, and maybe we could get him to come here to Baby's All Right to fight me." Yeah. Which I think is a scary real possibility yeah how do you think you would fare in the i think he'd kick my ass <laughs> i'm to the to those listening that aren't familiar with me uh i've got spindly arms no. uh and legs that are thicker than the arms but are just as weak just sinewy sinewy yeah i i i have a, a sort of a somewhere between a slender man and uh inflatable waving like oh, the, used car thing yeah yeah um so yeah he would have beat me up but if i was walking around with a black eye and they're like how'd you get that i'd say michael rapport came to my show and beat me up that's pretty great it would have been worth it but then we were just crowdsourcing different things that could potentially set him off yeah you sent him a video of the entire crowd chanting fuck you michael rapport <laughs> yeah correct yeah and I was just kind of going with whatever, so I was like, oh, his accent, we could talk about his accent. He makes some sound, and then someone said Portuguese, and I said, <laughs> you know what? Sure. <laughs> but then he was like, he started like screenshotting my website. Uh, he was like, your comedy sucks, your podcast sucks. Called you corny. 
called me corny yeah, that's a- and i he said uh your podcast sucks and i'm like oh you'd know a lot about uh can we curse Yo, yeah, yeah you can say you know a lot about shitty podcasts my like, gore before it <laughs> And then he's like, oh, yeah. And he sent me like a screenshot of him in like the top 10 sports podcasts oh, or whatever. On the charts. Yeah. That's in, that's uh, an interesting thing to look up about yourself. I've never really thought to do that on any. He has. Yeah. It's his first instinct. Did you did the screenshot have the date or do you think it was saved? Like, could you see at the top? <laughs> you know, I, I, I wonder if he, had, he probably had it in a he probably has a folder of screenshots ready to respond to gentlemen just like you this is you, true when you rile them up <laughs> i was like active i was like half paying attention because i was still actively hosting oh, doing the show, the show. yeah <laughs> and like i just oh he's I replied again <laughs> oh and again <laughs> who was it somebody the other day i mean i don't not that michael rapaport was a childhood hero of yours but somebody mm-hmm. was talking about how twitter is this fascinating medium that one could have never predicted where you can um make angry and get in a public fight with one of your like adolescent heroes within it's, like moments yeah, <laughs> it's so interesting <laughs> and i wouldn't have necessarily sought this out otherwise but it's the crowd's fault it's 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 everybody had equal blame <laughs> i said I, I, ultimately one of my ideas was if he did come i'd say like oh you want to beat up the guy that wrote the tweet mm. we all wrote the tweet and oh, then yeah. we all beat him up oh yeah like a gang yeah that would be pretty good <laughs> um so in new jersey when you were growing up i was reading i think an interview with uh maybe vice or noisy a while back that you were talking about how you didn't start comedy by going to open mics and things like that but rather you were opening for bands um, yeah and i'm curious what that what that vibe was like opening up for punk bands it was cool. I mean, that, that that show I just mentioned at Babies All Right was a different vibe venue-wise, but still the same sort of thing. Um, I started out doing characters. I've never done like regular stand-up comedy or anything uh, like that, really. Um, were you calling... You were calling into Tom Sharpling's show when you yeah. were younger? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Did the, the best show? Yeah, and I was, how, how I was old a regular caller, like 15, 16. Uh, but I got some uh, stage time, or I, I got some uh, air time from that, and that led, led to stage time uh, just by people like knowing that character, and I had that character kind of living online as its own separate thing. Who was the character? Uh, his name was uh, Steinberg. Steinberg. Yeah. And he, what did he do? Um, he, he was a rapper. <laughs> of course. Look, I'm not standing by the Steinberg character. You're 15 years old. I'm not, I'm not yeah. judging you based on it. I, I think there was some real deep heart to that character. Yeah, yeah. He was very fleshed out. Um, but he, yeah, he was a rapper. So I would be, you know, bands would be like, Hey, do you want to play a show? And I'm like, I don't actually rap, but <laughs> that i i started to you could do some spoken word or yeah something like that. and then i was like well i don't want to just be a like a white rapper guy that goes around and shows mm-hmm. uh no offense to any any white rappers out there just go around to shows yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like the the height of nerdcore. okay yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so I, I didn't want that to be my thing so i started coming up with other characters and um opening up for bands like screaming females and like bands in the new brunswick kind of basement scene in new jersey were the crowds receptive or because i can imagine sometimes they're a little 
they're a little rough if somebody's not just coming up and rocking, but yeah, or it, was it a different kind of scene than I'm just used to punk shows where everybody's already angry before the band even starts. I mean, I think this particular punk scene didn't have as many angry dudes. It was a pretty, uh, more, it's a more accepting, yeah. uh, more open-minded. It's not like I was going to like hardcore shows and like, interrupting like two bands that are furious yeah with my little bit yeah um their straight edge bands can get pretty upset yeah they, they have I, I used to do this thing in uh tempe arizona when i was in college that was called the east valley man dance crew and it was a group of like six guys and we had a myspace and you could book us to come to uh your show and, uh-huh. and we would dance to make sure that you know there wasn't an awkward gap between the audience and the stage it was just kind of a good-natured fun thing totally innocuous but we went to a uh this band called only crime which was a punk rock super group of like members of black flag and converge and mm-hmm. singer from good riddance or something and they were all very straight edge and they, they were extremely not amused by yeah. us like yelling at us while we were doing it and kind of like i thought this was supposed to be sort of fun you know oh yeah I thought it was gonna be good vibes a i mean I, I did kind of transition from that character to a secondary like angry straight edge punk rock is that craig it's craig <laughs> could you talk a little bit about craig and is craig's last name evan halen craig evan halen yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to find something waspy but also that had van halen yeah, in it. Yeah. uh <laughs> Yeah, Craig was just like the my my version of all the like ripped shirt guys that would uh go do their laundry at a mansion in Princeton. Mm-hmm. Uh sort of cosplaying uh yeah. poverty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, just angry for no reason, like find, finding a reason to explain the anger. Uh and then also there was a music portion of that band, which was a band called Bananas with three Z's. Oh, you and, made a movie for yeah, that, right? Yeah. And we did a documentary. I've seen the clip of, um, I believe Craig is at his parents' very big house asking yeah. them for money. Yes. We filmed <laughs> in, a, in a mansion uh, with some funny uh, comedians. And we then took the band to South by Southwest to play our first show. Were you on an actual show? <laughs> Wait a second. Okay. So... I didn't, I mean, this didn't even occur to me until a few years ago, but I knew all these bands that were going to play South by Southwest. And I was like, that's really impressive. Like nobody in town even knows who you are. Yeah. And then I realized that it's not, they weren't like booked for a showcase at, it was just, they played in Austin yeah. during the time of this thing. So did you just go guerrilla style and do some shows? Well, kind of. We did uh, get Burger Records to agree to let us uh <laughs> perform in their showcase that was like headlined by the ocs okay so this is, is a leg- this is a legit show cool yeah <laughs> and like we're like all right this is good enough reason to go plan a trip to austin to shoot the rest of this movie <laughs> and then the day of they were like yeah we're not really feeling it today can we do it at a different showcase oh no did and they know it was a i mean they knew the bit yeah they knew the bit huh. i think they were just, they just showed up late and were like non-committal to it. You're like, like all we, we need to do is one song. Like we came to Texas. Yeah. What the fuck? And then the next <laughs> show we did it and they're like, yeah, I don't know if we're feeling this period. And then we're just like, okay. So it was our last day in Austin. We had, it was my birthday too. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just found these like really cool Austin people that were just like, 
hey, like, let's try to get you booked on a South by unofficial showcase. Yeah, yeah. They wound up on a show with, like, all these, like, cool Brooklyn bands of the moment. And <laughs> it was just, like, in a field at some, like, old man's house. But, all you know, it was, like, a, a guy riding on a tractor that had a, a like, a, a, a lawn chair, like, just stapled to it. <laughs> and, like, his, like, grandpa was talking to us. Like, this is not going to be good it might be something but then it just i bet it was super fun through the magic of yeah, south yeah. by southwest it transformed into like the coolest thing you've oh, ever for seen sure. well if you're there and you're uh i've only been there once during it um which was a so i guess i lied to you earlier when i said i hadn't been to austin besides when i just i had been one other time. i forgive you um but like east sixth in austin yeah. during the south by southwest stuff it's not like an attractive thing to like i didn't want to go and see any of the music it was just it yeah. was a it was really intense, like trying, like looking at a line outside of a bar and just being like, I don't want it. And then you think about the line to get a beer. I know. And you think about the line to do anything else. And I mean, in the, in the center of town during South by Southwest, it was especially crazy because there was like, you know, EDM shows and stuff. Yeah. There was just like a fog that was in the air from like smoke machines. Yeah, what, year, what year were you there? This was, oh man. 2012 2012 okay so it was a little while i think it was probably still it's even i think it's even um a little bit more ridiculous at this point i mean now probably all of this tech and other type of things in it where it doesn't really i don't know that it feels that much like a music celebration at all yeah i think there was like mixture of like smoke machine and like uh barbecue smoke (laughs) oh yeah and then there was like green lasers so it really felt like you were in the apocalypse (laughs) and i remember after doing some shows and stuff we kept following adam duritz like deep into like a hotel because he had this whole entourage there and it'd be like it'd be really funny if we filmed craig like hanging out with adam duritz at like a private party so a lot of it was like that like we just have a camera and we're trying to find opportunities. And there, there are a lot of, there's like me and our Stevie Moore hanging out that just had to, did, well, most of it didn't make the final cut <laughs> because it was just too weird. But, and when you came back from that to, um, were you living in New York already when you uh, came yeah. back to that? And I, or I think it was maybe living in Jersey. And yeah, and did you keep? Uh, so Craig predates your TV show by quite some time. Yes. And so were you still performing as Craig and uh, and Bananas uh, when you got back, or was it sort of like we did this movie? We're 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 good with that. Yeah, it, it kind of. Um, I, I kept doing it for like movie premieres and like shows around, and then I quietly retired the band until the show started again and i was like well let's we've got this period of this infinite amount of shows that we can do so why don't we continue this story of this character and all these other characters except for steinberg um and so of course you're talking about the special without brett davis um and i think a lot of people who listen to this will be very familiar with that and i've had the pleasure of speaking with lots of alumni from the show or yeah. cast members and things like that. Uh, for somebody who isn't on the level or hasn't seen the special without, can you give a little sense of what this show is all about? Cause it's a talk show. That's also a variety show. That's also many other things. Yeah. Um, the idea is that uh, Chris Gethard had a public access show and we took their time slot 
um, and wanted to do something different. So the idea is that it's a talk show. However, me, Brett Davis, died in the first episode. So every week we have a replacement host that comes in and makes the show theirs. So sometimes that'll mean that it's just a character hosting a talk show. Other times it's something much more than that. Maybe like a play, maybe uh, some sort of variety show. It kind of depends week to week. And you've done a hundred some episodes at this yeah, point, right? And it's every Wednesday? Every Wednesday, yeah. Live. Um, it's an hour long. We have lots of great bands on. We occasionally trick celebrities into coming on. And it airs on Manhattan Neighborhood Network? Um, it, it does air on television, and, although and I don't know anyone that actually lives in Manhattan. Uh, <laughs> but you never can, met one. But you can get... I, I was listening to some conversation that Chris had uh, with somebody a while ago, and I, I, mean, I had no idea about this, about public access, but there's no um, like censor on it. Is that right? Um, or was that a, or is that sort of anachronistic at this? Is that a time that's passed or I, th- I think there, there is someone that will, uh, cut a feed if need be. Like if someone were killed, if someone were killed or people started having sex. Okay. But, oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Well within, uh, but you can swear. Yeah. We, we can, can swear all we want. Um, <laughs> especially because that's mostly on... what I meant. I just wanted to yeah. make sure that you could curse as much as possible. There is like a line uh, around 11 o'clock that you're, you can get away with more. So that's why our show is very late. <laughs> um, because we do push the boundaries of everything. Taste. T- taste mostly <laughs> um and who are some of the okay so the the characters you sometimes sometimes the host is a repeat right i yeah. mean you you've done craig quite a few times yeah um, craig, craig has come back he's hosted battle of the bands he joined a, a boy band he's oh, yeah. uh has noise project on so yeah Oh man, I love making fun of noise music. Oh, me too. I, don't, I don't know if there's anything more fun than to talk about noise music, but we can we can save that. That could be a whole episode. Um, but and you, who else is like Kelsey Grammer? Yeah, I, I, it's the only impression I do. <laughs> and Kelsey Grammer hosts. Uh, he's also it goes around strangling people at night. He's sort of a Jack the Ripper type. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and Count Dracula too. Yeah, We've got lots of very senile Count Dracula. Very senile. It's very old. Um, how okay? You said getting sort of tricking celebrity guests on. Um, who I know I've watched uh, Michael Shannon on it before. Mm-hmm. Who's like great. And yeah, Michael Shannon's incredible. Like, what a great actor. And I w- I was pretty thrilled that uh, he would go on the show. And I'm curious if that's when that first happened was that a mistake on his part or his agent's part or was it like he's kind of on the look because he doesn't seem like based on his uh you know i'm completely projecting on his acting career mm-hmm. but he doesn't seem like he would want to be on a show like that yeah and in the moment it didn't feel that way no <laughs> <laughs> it didn't seem like he wanted to be there uh but i i think he is pretty like open to doing cool things yeah since then, I've noticed him popping up in, and I don't want to say we set it off. I think we just caught a good wave of him kind of doing smaller projects. And I think he just kind of does what seems funny as a band. So, like, we brought the band on, he came back again. <laughs> uh, or Craig had his band. Craig Craig got into a fight with him, <laughs> which I was really hoping for the explosive Michael Shannon to come out. But Oh, yeah, because he can... He can... 
rip if he yeah. needs to. Yeah. But, I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of that, actually, even if it were yeah. uh, a joke. <laughs> I don't know why I'm always trying to pick fights with celebrities. <laughs> I, I'm not a violent person. But oh, yeah, that's, well, uh, he's a, I think picking a fight with Michael Shannon is more artistic. Than, yes. I mean, Michael Rappaport, that was an off the cuff. Like, yeah, you know, we're with a crowd or something. It's more salt of the earth. Yeah. Fight. Yeah. Well, Michael Shannon. <laughs> this, that would mean something. Yeah. It's award worthy. Yeah. Possibly. Having, having a black eye from Michael Rappaport is kind of like LOL, but having a black eye from Michael Shannon is sort of like, you could put that on your like CV. Yeah, right. That would be a uh-huh. that's an appropriate life kind of a life milestone. Um, who else is? I know Gilbert Gottfried and yeah. What other people and how do you? <laughs> I'm just curious how it happens because it seems pretty like a lot of times it's just finding those people that have taken on that that maybe have a a, a bigger oeuvre than the. Uh, level of work and not not to say anything about the quality but um people that are open to doing indie films or uh, appearing in little things so you know occasionally it's just somebody completely out of the blue that maybe agrees to it because they either think it's a cool diy thing or because they just don't have all the info and it's like part of a big press tour (laughs) And it's just like, yeah, we got a full day. We're doing this and this and this and this. And they show up to that at like yeah, 10 o'clock like Rose night. McGowan was a good example of that. <laughs> I didn't know you had Rose McGowan. Yeah, we had Rose McGowan on. Um, we were hosting as two shock jocks, like Opie and Anthony types. How, was she receptive to that? Well, I, I think, and especially lately, she's um, kind of you know been uh, the you know one of the spokeswomen for the whole like me too movement sure yeah um so i think that was she was really kind of getting started with that not to say that she was starting to be a feminist in any way but like i think she was calling out uh hollywood for like bullshit and stuff so for her to come on and we were just the most toxic (laughs) men you could ever imagine like i had i would you know i pulled her aside and i'm like hey we're doing this so just you know call us out and she had just been like headlines all over that day for calling out like an Adam Sandler film that uh, asked her to wear like a push-up bra to an audition because, you know, whatever dumb reason. Um, and we were like, you know, why would you say something so bad about Adam Sandler? Oh God! <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> so it was it was kind of you know a, a roundabout way of making her point, uh, but. I think when she was there, she like enjoyed it and had a fun time. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's, it's cool to think of people who, like you said, kind of have already, they've really demonstrated that they're, uh, they've got some lasting kind of power and they don't have to like every decision that they make isn't like, Oh my God, what is this going to do for this next stage of my career? But they are people who are very comfortable with where they're at and they're kind of like, I would actually like to do some fun stuff. Yeah. Because I feel like, I mean, I don't know shit about, a trajectory of an actor but i imagine if you're still trying to kind of <clears throat> set the tone for your career every decision you make feels like it's like there's two fork there there's a fork mm-hmm. <laughs> there's two forks and the, there's one fork in the road and it's either like this is going to send me down this path or this path and once you're kind of like comfortable and have done some stuff you get to actually try all the fun crazy shit that you maybe would have liked to do when you were younger or yeah kind of coming up that maybe your agent was like don't don't go on the special without brett davis i've 
I've and seen many episodes. agents have said that. <laughs> uh, but even on like my low, 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 low level, uh, like getting asked to do a, a show by somebody that's like college aged. And it's like a lot of times it's just like, okay, you don't really know what you're doing, but that's fine. But sometimes it's like, oh, this is a whole new thing mm-hmm. that I had no idea existed <clears throat> because it's in such a like, you know, early stage um, that's like the most rewarding thing. And it's like, Oh cool. Like there's another like crop of people that are coming up and doing cool things. And like, I feel lucky to be a part of that. Well, it's pretty, I, I feel like it's kind of a, would you say that it means a lot when somebody who's kind of younger that maybe you, like you said, you just didn't know that this scene or this thing was happening or something. They're like looking at what you're doing as an aspirant model. And it's probably kind of like, Oh, holy shit. I'm like, great. Like I would love to do your, show or your whatever because uh, people did that for me yeah yeah absolutely i mean i i never assume that they look up to me <laughs> well no i just <laughs> but, mean that uh, you, yeah you're doing something that they're sort of like oh this demonstrates that this is possible and so they're kind of like they're looking at you and being like oh cool i want to talk to this person because they're they're doing the thing that lays the foundation for me to be able to do similar things even if their scene's very different or yeah. something but <clears throat> i feel like that i try to when i'm talking to like younger artists and stuff when I'm teaching, I'm always like, you'd be really surprised if you just go on somebody's website and their email is on it. If you email them and are just like, I really like your work. Like, yeah. I'm really responding to it. It, it. I think people assume that people are getting praise or genuine kind of feedback all the time. And I don't really think that's the case. Like, at least for me, if a young person emails me and says, hey, I read something that you wrote <clears throat> and it really made me think this, I'm like over the moon. I'm mm-hmm. just like, are you serious? Like, you read that shit? Yeah. Wow, thank you. Like, what a meaningful thing. And I, I, yeah, I just think it, it's funny to uh, to think about, like, those those different plots on, I guess, sort of like a timeline of where people are at or where scenes are happening or something. Because it's like you sort of are nebulous going in and out of them. But it's sort of funny when somebody reaches out and is like, hey, can you do this thing? And you're like, oh, my God, now I'm like an old, I'm a middle-aged person. Yeah. I mean, that's, we, we started a show, me and my friend Sally, uh, we, we did a show at Shea Stadium. The Macaulay Culkin show? Macaulay Culkin yes, show. Yes, I've been. And, and when we started it, we, you know, we're both coming from this, like, I wasn't a musician, but we were both coming from this, like, music world. And we we're trying to break into the Brooklyn comedy scene, but, you know, that takes time. But we were like, hey, let's make a splash and do the biggest show we can. And we, you know, reached out to these people like Wyatt Sinek and like Leo Allen, who I just, you know, I didn't know them, but I knew their work and I thought I was a big fan. And yeah, you could find most people's emails pretty easily. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, of a a certain level, at least. And, you know, if if it seems like a cool thing, they'll do it. And then that's why you'll see like a show and it's like, Oh, it's this is such a great lineup, but who is this person hosting it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, they're just like me like five years ago. Yeah. Well, and it's and I feel like if uh when you do make that leap and reach out to somebody, if what you're presenting to them or inviting them to contextually makes sense with what they do, they're probably like, Hell yeah. I'd love yeah. it. Yeah. Let me come and try something out that I can't do in these other pockets that I operate in on the day to day or something like that, mm-hmm. which is always really fun. Zubas, the Zubius Zubabas. Get your holiday Zubas today. For your cat, for your dog, for your fish, for your frog. 
I think it's still recording. Oh no. Chiba Weeba Chews. Fruity Tappy, Indica, strawberry flavored, 100 milligrams of THC, contains marijuana, keep out of the reach of children. Indica makes you sweepy. Yeah, try watching a TV show after eating some Indica. Sativa makes you... Wacko! A nice hybrid will put you right in between. A personal favorite is hybrid caramel bear claws and such. I don't know. Queenie's ready. Wanna enhance your life? Try Wanna brand sour gummies in orange, grape, green apple, raspberry, and lemon. Gluten-free and vegan ingredients available. Wanna gummies. Contains marijuana. Keep out of the reach of children. Why are you so much better <laughs> The New York Times crossword puzzle. Um, I mean, besides that, so at this point, you've you've definitely uh, clearly broken into the Brooklyn comedy scene, and you have a huge network of people around you. And I'm curious how the architecture of a sh- of an episode works mm-hmm. when you have these crazy ensemble casts, and you have lots of people that are coming back week after week. Then you have people there's a little gap and stuff like that. But I know people have recurring characters, but for the most part, it's like you're you're like ripping the rug out from under the thing and yeah. rebuilding it every single week. And is there a writer's room? I mean, what is this process like and how much of it is just like, let's fucking get Like, I, I guess I was thinking about it too, because it's like, the show seems like total anarchy, right? But at the same time, zooming out and thinking about it and looking at it, it's just like, there's like a lot of administrative work that goes into yeah. making something so batshit crazy every single week like it actually has to be very organized I yeah imagine. i'd say there's a lot of it's mostly administrative work <laughs> and i i it is not a one-man show by any means i've got you know we have a uh, whole tech team and all this stuff yeah, right there's a whole crew there's about six producers that uh help me with different aspects of the show whether it's the production side the booking side the writing side the you know whole the music side has like a its own little team just like making a show worthwhile for bands to come on so they have like a decent tv clip um as for the writing it's it's pretty much uh i work with my friend darren who goes back we were friends in that new brunswick seniors in band called we are the seahorses and would go around to shows where uh, look at this fucking hipster would take pictures of him because he was a big shirtless fat guy (laughs) Um, Wait, was that a blog? It was a blog oh. in like 2009 or whatever. Yeah. 
Um, it's like a do's and don'ts kind of vibe. Yeah, just me around that. Yeah. Era, Joe Mandy ran it secretly. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and but he's you know truly the funniest guy I know, and like not in a comedy setting. Who besides Darren? of what I yeah yeah besides what I've dragged him into, and so that's cool. He because he pretty much just focuses on writing the show, and then I'm constantly kind of trying to pull people in, and there's varying levels. I mean I. I, I say like, hey, I want to work with you. I don't want to, you know, dump a lot of work on you. But you know, sometimes, you know, it's people like, hey, I'm, like I'd like to do this kind of thing, and then we go and rewrite it. Or you know, sometimes people are like, hey, I want to do this and this and this, and then that happens and that happens, and like, okay, well, let's help you execute that vision. So, you know, it it really depends week to week. There's no science to it. Um, and you know, there are things sometimes we'll write and script every second of the episode. Other times we'll have a very, very loose outline. This Just past, some beats or something. Like yeah. This past know. week we, we do this show called truth or myth with Smith. Oh yeah. That's like our ode to the real public access world. Mm-hmm. And it's hosted by a guy that's like a conspiracy theorist, a libertarian, and we've got like a spiritual expert and like a guy that just talks about local politics and a guy that talks about how um like therapy is bad <laughs> and cool uh like we had a whole show plan we had a dance number we had like a, a band that we had brought together so it could be like my character's like side project mm-hmm. and the last minute this like guy kind of wandered in that just hangs around Eminem and he was a weird looking guy we're like hey we're doing this show it's a parody of public access like we don't want to ambush you or or anything but it'd be funny if you were just part of it and he was like oh yeah I know the show I'm like I'd love to cool and it was such a mistake no no but uh (laughs) you know it's like I thought you it know, was going. I was sure it was going the other direction. No, but. it was, a, it was <laughs> the first thing he said was just horribly offensive. Oh wow! Uh, but uh, the the fact that you know we can just have such s- certain things so planned and then other things just completely thrown <laughs> is the most fun aspect of it to me. This week, uh, if if you're around the New York punk scene, uh, there's this guy named Weird Luke. And he kind of dresses like a Mad Max character. He's got like a big red mohawk and he makes like cool action figures that are like kind of look like Toxic Avenger characters. Mm-hmm. And we have the guy from Troma. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman? On. Lloyd Kaufman. No shit. Yeah. His studio is in like Long Island City, right? And I think so. They, yeah. Yeah. I ran into somebody once who was going to write about a Troma film and they, uh, they were like just heading up to Long Island City. And I was like, that's just so fun that. There's a little studio where all this insane shit gets made. <laughs> like Long Island City. So it's like, uh, you know, we're writing this episode, but we've got this guy that's he's kind of known for just like slam dancing at, uh, <clears throat> at shows. And then Lloyd Kaufman, who could be, I have no idea what to expect with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, the show could go the way we plan or it could go completely off the rails. And <laughs> I think it'll be fun to watch regardless. Um, that's, I mean, I feel like, though, 
and it's all volunteer, right? Like everybody who's working everybody. on it is just yeah. doing it because this thing is weird enough and is creating this. Um, I mean, in a way, it creates. It, it's. I mean, it's funny. First of all, the show is called The Special without Brett Davis, and obviously that's you know because you died in the first episode, and it's these other characters or something. But it's also very much like you said earlier. It's not a one man show, mm-hmm. and it's not really even your show yeah. in a sense. And it becomes this kind of document or snapshot of all this weird stuff that's going on right now and all these different kind of approaches to comedy that's really kind of fascinating i mean it's something that i've been able to point people to and they ask um you know who's doing interesting stuff in in new york and comedy or brooklyn and comedy it's just like oh watch a couple episodes of this and you'll see like a shitload of the people like you'll see three dozen people if you watch Mm -hmm. five episodes that you're going to want to follow and like go see their shows and stuff like that and it's always kind of I think one of the other fun things is that <clears throat> because everybody kind of believes in this bigger thing that just like, who, I mean, it's, who knows what it's going to, who knows what people will reflect on it as, right? Like yeah. you can't, when you're in the middle of it, you can't really think about that. But it's just really funny. Like I was watching some uh, older ep- like episodes that were, I want to say from like 2015, like mm-hmm. a couple nights ago. And like there was, um, there was the, the family fracas one and there's like the yeah. juggalo family and the regular family. And all of a sudden, like I'm watching this thing and all of a sudden I'm like, is that fucking Lorelai Ramirez? Mm-hmm. Like just this little, and I was just, but everybody's so enmeshed in it and just like wanting to build this bigger thing that there's no, it, it's really kind of cool because you don't have this, uh, I, I don't want to say ego. Cause it's like, that's not even the right word, but it's just like people are just playing and having fun and doing something fucking crazy. Yeah, and that's very rare because even on something like, uh, even on something like you know, obviously the go-to is like SNL or something. There's no like, there's no rub on who someone is who comes out. Like it's very important that you understand the cast member who's playing this character because of their history of other things, or you understand the celebrity guest. Yeah, but the kind of like veil that's over everybody in the special without where you don't know who the fuck anybody is. Yeah, is nuts because then you judge it on the merit of like how just crazy the the bit is and and then there's like a little easter egg when you realize who the person is later but you don't have to get there right away yeah we did an episode that was a a mexican standoff and like a three-way gun yeah like like everybody's holding the gun it's Mm -hmm. like you're at a standstill and we're like what if we did it for an hour just kept adding people (laughs) and like anybody that like could possibly hold a gun whether it's like uh militia or like a gangster or uh like a school shooter like any any possible person that would have a reason for holding a gun would hold it a libertarian sure libertarian (laughs) uh and like as the show was coming together like ronnie chang from the daily show was just there Uh and like he was just part of it and like (laughs) i don't really know him that well (laughs) Clearly, like, the most famous guy there, but all he did was speak Mandarin, <laughs> and he was an Italian mobster. Um, oh, that's, okay. There's some layers. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, it, it's a very layered show. It ends with everyone just singing uh, the song from Rent and deciding to put their guns down. Wait, which song from Rent? Um, the 500. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you it's more about it's more about the journey than the destination. Yeah, yeah, no, entirely. No, uh, but yeah, that and that's just like packed with people, it, like way more the people than mics available. Yeah, <laughs> um, and like the Juggalo one you mentioned, like it's maybe the most talented room of people I've ever assembled. Like 
There's like 40 people, yeah. I feel like, in the All like very funny comedians and like different scenes and stuff. So it, it was like fun to just create that world and yeah like props to everybody that props uh <laughs> credit to everybody that like it was just down to be a part of a bigger thing down yeah with the down with the clowns yes, yes. Mm-hmm. um i think the the ensemble thing that was really exciting too in the way that uh you can kind of clearly tell that everybody is sort of responding in real time to what each other are doing, even if things are relatively scripted. And I was thinking Mm -hmm. about, um, for anybody who's listening who maybe hasn't caught an episode, I mean, I wrote about this one because it just made my day so much was episode 95, which was the um, trouble on, uh, what is that? It was... The, the short title is Trouble on Cranberry Island. Cranberry Island, yeah. But I think the title was... uh, at least a full screen of dense text. Yeah, but the, but the cast was like, um, and now, you know, the irony of me saying this after I was just like, the cast doesn't matter. But just really because it was so many people that I loved yeah. and like admired. I mean, it was like Laura Ramirez was on it, Anna Fabrega, uh, Patty Harrison, Agufamadu, McAllister, Colin. Yeah, I, Colin was on it. Ike, Colin, Andrew Tischer, and Joe Castlebaker Joe were all there. Castlebaker. And they they don't speak at <laughs> no, all during just, the episode. They're the Stepford husbands yeah. sort of in the background, yeah. But that one was just, um, like, a friend of mine, Andrea, she was, like, telling me and Claire, she was just like, oh, you guys, we have to, like, she's like, you got to watch this, but we have to, like, sit down and watch it. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a, I didn't just watch it at my computer. Like, we, we sat down and, like, made food and, like, watched it on the television because it was such a ridiculous like front to back episode so if anybody's looking for one to like dive in i mean that's a personal fave is episode 95 it's just so and that's lorelei ramirez that was like her baby yeah uh, that episode we all like like she she had it and then we all like sat down at her apartment and we like just kind of came up with little like things to do uh including a 10 minute screaming fit that i don't think we necessarily <laughs> plan to be 10 minutes but it kind of worked out that way i've, I've done some things with lorelei where a screaming uh, a child abuse scene went a lot longer than yeah it was <laughs> yeah i think i was there i don't even know if the child abuse scene was supposed to happen but it just went <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> no but that's great i mean and it's like it becomes this uh um it becomes basically like a canvas that other people can bring what they want to. Yeah. And so like and that one, we worked with a uh, sister's weekend who do really cool things. And they're like a production team and they like made, uh, the four main or the five main girls, like look so great, like with wigs and like costumes and stuff. It was like, they're all realtors. There, yeah. yeah was, <laughs> we're trying to do like a, a like a Douglas Cirque thing. It was like, it was Amy, Patty, Lorelai and Anna were all realtors. Right? Yeah. And you and Ruby had just been married. Yeah. We're the happy couple moving to Cranberry Island of, of paradise <laughs> and we're looking for a home and everyone wants to seduce Ruby because they, they're all in love with her. <laughs> Oh man, I just had Ruby out. She was uh, incredibly fun to talk to. Oh, really Ruby's great. great. Um, so you you also um, moving on from the special without you you also have your own podcast these days, which is yes. the, the podcast for laundry. Mm-hmm. And the podcast for laundry is a show. Uh, I've never followed the prompt because I've I've not done laundry while I listened to it. But well, uh, the show is designed to that's be a real way to that's a real way to piss me off. Well, I don't. 
I'm going to be honest with you. The one thing I treat myself to in New York is I, I don't do my laundry. Yeah. I drop it off. Mm-hmm. Although I could. Which is uh, 99% of the guests that come on the show do that. Because <laughs> they all live in New York. <laughs> Nobody wants to put yeah. themselves there. But I could listen to it while I'm walking to the laundromat. But mm-hmm. um, so the, the, the premise is that you listen to it while you're doing laundry. Yes. It, it's the perfect length. Mm-hmm. It's about as long as it takes to do a wash and do a dry. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a show about your enthusiasm for laundry history. Yeah. And, and sort of the the aesthetics of laundry and when, when did that passion start for you is that a it's never been a passion <laughs> uh I, I i did do my own laundry i've started to do drop off now because realizing like oh everyone just drops off uh, I, I don't treat myself to a lot of stuff but that's just like it's when such, you do that so nice if you literally just do the math of how long it takes to to sit in the laundromat and you save like eight dollars yeah. maybe and if you're, you know, if you're talking monthly, like, or bi-weekly, it's like mm-hmm. eight or 16 bucks a month that you're really saving there to not have, oh God, and it comes back folded. I know. They put so my nice. underwear and socks in its own plastic bag. So I just rip it open and dump it in those little bins. Oh, I don't even. They rubber band mine. What? It's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I guess I do love that kind of laundry. Um, <laughs> but I, I would do laundry and. I'd be like, oh, it'd be funny if I had a podcast that was this length. And it was like this idea I had for months before I was like bored enough to really try to execute it. And I partnered up with a forever dog who put out a lot of good podcasts. And um, I think I wanted to do a slow burn thing. That's just like this man slowly becoming unraveled mm-hmm. because of his love of laundry. But I think laundry is just like the conduit for his growing insanity so that's been a fun thing and there's a lot less preparation that goes into it than the special so it's very sure yeah uh it's very fun in that regard to just do something that's a lot looser yeah when you get to play with the kind of um i mean the special because it's visual and it's on television you uh, clearly the entire um the aesthetic aspect of it is huge and the thing that i've enjoyed about the it is such a different, I, I like that you said slow burn because it has an entirely different vibe in that it's all just like theater of the mind. And you're sitting there mm-hmm. listening. Like I was listening to the episode with Cola Scola the other yeah. day and it was just like, I mean, I don't even, I don't care where you actually recorded it. I don't know if you recorded it in his basement where he mm-hmm. does his laundry or whatever, but just sort of Cole like being relatively generous at the beginning and just being like, well, no, I mean, you'd think that having laundry in your own building is actually you know, nice, but in its own way, it's kind of like whatever. And you're just like completely disinterested. And you're just like, when did you mm-hmm. pop your laundry chair? <laughs> it's like a weird obsession with, um, but yeah, it just starts to paint this thing where I'm trying to imagine like what the, what the two characters that are on it are really doing. And it gives the people that you invite on, um, a chance to kind of be themselves, but also this exaggerated version or like however much yeah. they want to respond, like Lena and the first like five minutes of the show are always like remarkably civil yeah and then the last five minutes are always painful to listen to because at some we either i i have been so mean to the guest or if i i've revealed a very dark side of my past or present uh there's one episode that like i just come on the realization that i shit my pants <laughs> And because I do my own laundry, I never quite understood that that's what I've been doing. <laughs> but I'm like such a lonely person in the, this podcast that it just happens. I've, my relationship has ended on the show. Uh-huh. 
Uh, so it's fun to really kind of stretch this version of Brett Davis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, there's one that just came out uh, for Christmas that uh, it may ha- have ended in a murder. <laughs> <laughs> the ghosts of Christmas. Yeah. It can be very wonderful. Um, I mean, usually on that, on that show, you ask guests, um, uh, one of their first memories related to laundry. And mm. I know that this is humor in the <laughs> most boring question. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I've been, you know, I, I don't know if it's that boy. <laughs> I know you're about to ask it. Ask me. No, no, no. I actually wanted to, I, I know that this is humor in the abject and not the podcast for laundry mm-hmm. and that, and that you're my guest and I'm not yours, but, but I, I'd like to share my earliest memory. Oh, please do. If that's, if that's okay with yes. you. I, I, I distinctly remember in uh, Northern Michigan where I grew up, we had, the laundry in the basement mm-hmm. and we had a thing on the side of the house that was basically like the exhaust for the dryer mm-hmm. that would go out and where the snow was it would melt all of the snow underneath it and it would billow out this like yeah, dryer yeah. scent and i would just sit there and just huff it oh I, just, I, I do love that scent. sit in front of like the side of my house in the snow and just have this thing billowing in my face i do that around boy. the city <laughs> i just like linger in front of apartment buildings sometimes to like smell it it's pretty fantastic yeah which i I, it's such a synthetic smell, and yet mm-hmm. there's something about it where I'm just like, it's it's like warm and feels yeah. like clean and all these other things. It's a really comforting scent. It is very comforting. Is, I didn't. I, I felt like I would ruin it in college because you, that was the shove a water bottle filled with uh, dryer sheets and poke holes in the bottom and exhale marijuana smoke out mm-hmm. in your dorm rooms that it would smell like that yeah and and that still didn't change it you know they say the the olfactory memories are the strongest mm-hmm. even that couldn't get rid of you know a little sean outside of pam and dennis's house huffing huffing laundry oh well that's actually very nice <laughs> i'm sorry i said it was gonna be a bad story <laughs> well what was yours I honestly don't know. <laughs> uh, I spent so much time thinking about laundry uh, that I, I I don't really think about it. <laughs> I definitely didn't do my own laundry until I went to college. Yeah, I, I, I did. Did you? Yeah. I, we just, God bless my mom. Mm-hmm. She just, everybody just dumped it in the dirty clothes and she would just do it. And I didn't, I didn't even realize until I was an adult that I was like, it's pretty insane that my mom was washing my laundry when I was like a high school. God bless all our moms. Yeah. Or dads. Yeah. 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 Dennis didn't do the laundry, but that's fine. I didn't say God bless Dennis then. Yeah, that's yeah. true. God will smite him. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, what's coming up for you? Uh, any any shows in 2018 or anything that people should check out? Or how, how do people, maybe first of all, how do people become an audience member on The Special Without? Um, if you go to uh, brettdavis.rip and click on the little special tab, uh, you'll find a way to just sign up. Uh if, if, if you want to come to a specific show, otherwise you could just come to the TV studio. Um, uh, we, I, we, and literally anyone could just walk in as long as you have proper identification and you could be part of the show, which was very scary when I had a stalker. Uh, but, um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it kind of just functions like a live show in that, you know, it's live and free. We've got great bands that come every week and some of the best, comedians that that are going right now it seems like it would be <clears throat> for somebody comedians uh, from comedy central saturday night live the two night show the two shows 
the three IFC, shows. IFC, yes. True TV, True TV, no E, T R U. No, yeah, TV, yeah, yeah. It's one word. But we got people from E too. E Entertainment, yeah. E Entertainment Television, HGTV. We yep, we got the Property Brothers coming on in 20, <laughs> 2018. Well, I feel like the the special without would be a great uh, if you really if you really want to look pretty hip to the culture that that'd be a great like tinder date yeah to invite somebody to just be like i know about this little show time out new goes york on if you're on, listening goes on wednesday nights you invite somebody to that you're gonna look like the coolest person in the room yeah you're gonna be like no no this is just this is a usual wednesday i mean i gotta go to work tomorrow but yeah no i come to this all the time i have seen tinder dates come to my <laughs> shows and then I, I did i did this one show it was like my my big one-man show like I was like, all right, I'm going to put all this work into it and stuff. And then the show ends and I'm still, I haven't even left the stage yet. And the lights are coming up. And then uh, just a couple clearly on their first date was just like, I'm sorry. I didn't know that it would be this weird. (laughs) And I just looked and made eye contact with both of them. And then just kind of had a mild night after that. That like performance high that you need to keep going. Yeah, yeah. Immediately cut from under me. Yeah. <laughs> these are strangers, or was this a was this an Absolute acquaintance? Strangers. Okay. Well, yeah. that's a little better. This yeah. Is, you know, these are random people. If that were an acquaintance mm-hmm. who knows you, and then yeah. tried to backpedal. Yeah. That's like that's a double stab in the gut. Yeah. That's a little rough. I I, I want to be more successful just so people are not bamboozled by uh, coming to a comedy show. Although and getting me well, that's part of the that's part of the surprise though and the fun, right? I guess so. Yeah. Well, because I wonder though sometimes if it because that could really curse somebody, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, can Zach Galifianakis even do stand up? You know, I, I, I I'm sure it's a lot harder these days. Yeah, right? I don't. I mean, even like just the like, uh, have you seen the live at the Purple Onion? Right, which is great. It's like this master We're doing work. a show at. Not not the it's not called the Purple Onion anymore. We're doing a show there for uh, San Francisco Sketchfest. Really? When is that? That's uh, at the end of January. The end of January. So all Special of my about Brett Davis live. Oh, yeah. all my Silicon Valley entrepreneurs mm-hmm. yep. and uh, all of you Berkeley intellectuals. Tickets are expensive. Yeah, I'm so nervous <laughs> about that. Oh God. Well, I don't know. I bet I bet a lot of people go. People when. I don't think that events put things on like that if they don't know that they can't do the thing. And I'm sure it's a big festival and people like yeah. go on purpose, but that's pretty cool. That's very cool. But yeah, I, I guess what I was saying was just like after, after like you're in the hangover, mm-hmm. you can never do the like Zach Galifianakis, I'm drunk playing the piano again. It's yeah. done. Like there's no, because there's no tension, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, you'll, you'll just get people that are coming to see you the wolf pack guy yeah yeah and then the people who already who already know that it's like a train wreck and are gonna yeah. like extra play into it and just be like like you're drunk or something something like that so mm-hmm. yeah i don't ooh, it's such a delicate balance you know there's yeah. some there's some freedom in anonymity there is there is there are certain things that i i can only get away with now if my career uh is any more successful than it is not that i'm expecting that <laughs> Wait, before we, so we're getting pretty close to time here, but before we round out, I wanted to ask, and you can just tell me to fuck off if you don't want to talk about it, but the LA thing mm-hmm. and Jesse from oh, the yeah. Eight Street Kids, 
there were, I don't even know why I was being asked about this, but when that was <clears throat> when that was happening, people were a couple people texted me and I was like, this is a couple years ago, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I don't even really know Brett. Yeah. Like at this point and i was like i don't know what he's doing They're like is this a bit is he like what's going on i was like, i don't fucking have any idea i don't know at all yeah i i, I think with the characters but you the, the the premise was that you had been tricked into signing the show over to yeah what is jesse's last name jesse camp jesse camp who From for anybody MTV, who's, who yeah, wants to be a vj he wanted to be a vj and it was jesse and the eight straight kids right yeah. was this sort of he had like a punk band yeah he was like a total 90s like kind of the, one of the earliest reality show yeah. kind of celebrities where it's like not famous for a discernible reason just for being just famous because he was sort of weird and they put him in this thing and he, yeah the he, whole idea was that they had this competition to get a new vj and the mtv audience could pick who it was and it came down to dave holmes who is a you know, broadcaster, very likable. And then Jesse Camp, who is uh, kind of the, especially like considering it was like 99 or 2000 or whenever it happened, like just trash in vaudeville, dude, like Mm -hmm. St. Mark's place, (laughs) like burnout teenager. And he ended up winning over Dave Holmes. (laughs) Dave Holmes turned out fine. But uh, (laughs) like he... He was a VJ on MTV and woefully, like, unprepared for it. And like, hey, welcome to MTV. I'm Jesse Camp. <laughs> and he had, like, his whole band that, like, spun off of it. Yeah. And then kind of disappeared for a while. Yeah, about... Yeah. I'd say about 15 years. <laughs> but I met him <laughs> at an SNL after party uh-huh. where he just, like, shows up to those and... Uh, a friend of mine who works on the show is like, yeah, Jesse Camp just pops up at parties like this. And like, I know him a little bit. And I was like, we should get him on the show. And the way we trick celebrities. Uh, and and is he is he the real deal? Is that his? Uh, yeah. That's who he it's is? It's not an act. It's just, you know, him. Okay. And... I you know well, I infinitely I infinitely like him more. Yeah, if that's like genuinely who he is. Oh, genuinely, yeah. It's not a character. <laughs> that's cool. It's not a put on. He just like oh man, I love comedy, man. I'll do whatever. Yeah, and like truly the most like ready for whatever. Cool. It, like we never like I say we try to trick celebrities, but we never actually want to trick anybody. We want no, people to feel comfortable. No, and they clearly stuff. know what they're they're not. Yeah, you're not ambushing anybody. Like it's not like this is some secret thing that nobody could look up. Yeah, like if somebody were genuinely concerned, they would be like, "Let me look at the." Uh, well, even at that point, dozens of episodes that are available at yeah. any time that anyone could look at. And you know, especially with him, it's like I don't know on what level this guy is existing. <laughs> so we try to like have him very much part of it, and like the idea was that we would do an episode about people looking for the host of the next Cosmos. Uh, to, Instead of Neil deGrasse Tyson. To replace Neil deGrasse Tyson. We have like these astrophysicists, and then we have the Jesse real Camp. Jesse Camp. And then Jesse Camp wins. <clears throat> and then uh, at the end of the episode, we did this like meta joke where he takes over the special, mm-hmm. and like I take off my wig, and there's like some like 
backstage drama that we kind of hint at and because he's tricked you into signing a contract yeah the, the producers is, have actually like replaced the prop contract with like a real contract and because they wanted you out yeah which is not how <laughs> that works it's just like first off Sorry. there's no contract <laughs> yeah in the special <laughs> like honestly if someone said i own the special now i'd be like oh damn it <laughs> yeah. um so like we, we did that and then i was like oh let's take this further and like push it and everybody acts like this is real online and it then like i i kept stretching it out i'm like okay i'm so mad that i got ousted from my show that i'm uh, taking a job in LA, working for Seth MacFarlane. All oh, right, yeah. Uh, I'm going to be a writer on the new Quagmire spinoff. Spinoff, <laughs> and uh, you know everyone's playing that along. And then I like show up in LA, and I'm just like screenshotting pictures from Instagram of LA. I was just home. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I remember there was a there was like an, a picture of the LAX sign. Yeah. Just like as you're leaving the airport. And I was like, That's not yeah. Good. And I'm at, at like, I looked up where like his offices could be. And I like took a screenshot of that. And uh, then it reveals that there was no show. And then I got duped into that. And then <laughs> I just start breaking down. And, LA. and I've done these before, but like these like kind of meta, like Brett Davis is having a, crazy time but for whatever reason it caught on and people started reporting it on like websites and stuff your friends were saying like gnarly shit about you on facebook too Mm -hmm. which was extremely funny they were just like well fuck brett he doesn't deserve the show yeah he's gonna he's not gonna make it in la and stuff and i was like i really feel like this is a joke but like people were like brett just tell us if it's a joke and you're like fuck you like Like, i did this whole like pretty out of control and, like, I told the audience, but, like, at the Macaulay Golgan show that I was doing at the same time concurrently, like, I, I did this thing where, hey, I'm, like, pretending to leave. So oh, if we can do this, show. like, yeah, you know? and everyone, like, says goodbye, and it's just, like, a heartfelt speech at the end. But then I, like, go through all these, like, just dark turns, and then there was, like, a week where I just wasn't on the special. <laughs> and then Jesse Camp actually took it over, <laughs> and we, we, like, did Jesse Camp's show. And we had on like twenty guests, and like a guy that was in Alice Cooper's band, and like a bunch of drag queens, and like club kids, and uh, Michael Alleg, who oh, is God. a murderer from Party Monster, <laughs> the Party Monster, the titular Party Monster, uh, who was a nightmare. Uh, I can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's cool to other people, but in the context of getting to a show, uh, it was just a pain in the ass. And then Jesse Camp does this whole show, and then I appear as one of the drag queens, or like kind of like a club kid, and I like take off my disguise and I beg for my show back. Um, but yeah, it caught on in a way. Like I've I've got maybe a thousand Facebook friends, but I've never gotten like more than two hundred likes on a thing, and I got like yeah. eight hundred <laughs> likes on my like farewell speech. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Everyone I went to high school with was like, I'm so sorry about what happened. Oh, that sounds Lord. so crazy. So um, it did get out of hand. But yeah, I, <laughs> in the way that I fight with Michael, Michael Rappaport online and <laughs> crash South by Southwest, I, I'm always trying to do another thing to 
well, trick people. Well, one day, Brett, you're going to be in a real fucking emergency and nobody's going to come and help you. Oh, well, you're gonna be, <laughs> I could take care of myself. You're going to be really sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Cool. Well, uh, Brett, thank you so much for coming thank by you. today. Thanks it was so wonderful to talk to you. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Um, I love the world that you, you built. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and uh yeah so merry merry christmas if i don't mind myself saying it who's she huh <laughs> and happy uh boxing day yes. tomorrow in canada or mm-hmm. uh to canadian tweens with youtube blogger accounts unboxing day i'll be sharing oh. those gifts and i'm so excited little asmr round microphone kind of things um but um yeah actually happy holidays i don't i don't believe in christmas okay we'll see y'all next week bye-bye